Hey, hey, welcome back to Eddie Green's 101. It's another episode. I hope you're excited. I know I'm excited. I'm even more excited to share this sponsor with you. Okay, so my guests today are Palmer Guthrie and Aaron Harris. They are friends of mine. They are cinephiles. They are uh, in a relationship together, which is just perfect. Uh, it's almost sickening how perfect it is. Um, hopefully it continues to last for for years and years and years and years. And in and, and, and Palmer, Aaron, if, if you're listening to this, if you guys ever end the relationship, just know I will be there to try and bring it back together because you guys are perfect for each other. So without getting schmaltzy, without getting too personal, that's what I have to say about that. This is a movie-centered podcast. This is very much uh, a lot of film talk, so I hope that appeals to you guys. I know it's going to appeal to a lot of people, and I love talking film. It's one of my passions in life. It's it's so easy for me to kind of relate anything in life back to cinema. So, and it's what I, when I started in the podcasting game, it's, it's, it's what I started talking about. So it's always going to be there on the back burner and we bring it to, uh, to the, to the forefront in this episode, if that makes sense. I hope it makes sense. Um, so enjoy this one. I know I did, uh, Palmer, Aaron, you guys rock, get ready, get set. It is Palmer Guthrie and Aaron Harris. Okay, so you don't like trailers? No. Why? Um, it, it's like I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to get that because too my many head. of them, like too many of them, spoil. Well, too many, too many of them just blow their load before you even get <laughs> the experience. And I don't want that. Yeah, I feel you. What about you, Aaron? Um, sometimes I just prefer going into movies blind. I think anytime that I've done that, I almost have a better experience. That's true. That's very true. And this trailer, again, I think is very vague because that's how they wanted the movie to be. Like they yeah. wanted you to kind of go in thinking one thing, and then it's a totally different thing. I so, think I'm going to amend my statement. I I, I don't <laughs> hate trailers like right out. I think that trailers these days are a little, uh, you know, they're, they're not executed very well. But back in like the '70s and the '80s, when they had those quick kind of you know teasers that would really they're really attention grabbing, and they didn't you know give you too much or too little. Yeah, I think of things like Alien. Uh, you know, old culty horror movies. Uh-huh. Those really, you know, get you into it. And now I go back and watch those from time to time just to get excited about a movie that I like or something, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and these days, though, it's a little too much. But Yeah, there's a show I used to watch on Popcorn Talk Network. They don't do it anymore because they got in trouble for showing trailers online, mm-hmm. but they used to go through and watch trailers and just give commentary on it. And and they like they were like, trailers were such a big part of our friendship. Like, yeah. that was like how we kind of got excited, obviously, for a movie. But um, all right, we'll watch it because I think it's I think it's a good trailer. All right. So this is the Eyes Wide Shut trailer. everyone. I have seen one or two things in my life. Oh, good old Tom Cruise. Never anything like this. I love this song. Maybe a bad, bad thing. Maybe a bad, bad thing. You ever love someone so much you thought your little heart was gonna break into? I didn't think so. You ever try with all your heart and soul to get your lover back to you? I wanna hope so. 
See? <laughs> it's like there's no dialogue. It's just a bunch of images from the movie coming soon. This Kubrick guy has a future, if you ask me. He had Oof. what? He has a future. Oh, damn. That's a hard, hard, harsh joke. A little bit. <laughs> so, no, but it's. A, I think it's a great film to end on a little bit. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And I, yeah, because you brought up a good point. You're like, it's. It sucks. We won't be able to talk about it. Yeah. Because it's such a. It is such a weird movie to I die like, to die yeah. with. <laughs> I mean, well, the, I think ahead. I think you and I have talked about the last line before and how it's kind of funny. Oh yeah, that, and how that's just how his career ends. Yep. Um, I think this is a really good trailer, though. It almost paints, paints it in a, a kind of David Lynch light, almost, I feel. It gives me that kind of vibe. Yeah. So that, so everyone listening, that we're going to watch this later. That's why we watch that. And um, uh, Tom Cruise, right? So we'll just quickly touch on Tom Cruise here yeah. for a second. Did you guys know about the whole Scientology thing? Yeah. Prior to like Long anything? Long time ago, yeah. yeah. Anything? Okay. What are your thoughts on it? Jump in. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh I'll watch Tom Cruise all day, any day, and I'll I'll end it there. I don't want I don't want to learn about him or his family or how he treats his family. Yeah, um, he's an amazing actor. You but can't deny that you're able like you're able to separate the yeah. two distinct personalities of his his personal life and and his creative because there's nothing he's ever done at least that's been brought to my attention that is so repulsive that I can't enjoy something. Because there's there's people out there that they've done something really really terrible, mm-hmm. and at that point it's you know if I'm supporting them especially, but also if I'm just kind of uh, immersing myself and enjoying something that they've done, it feels a little bit dirty. Um, but Tom Cruise isn't really, to my knowledge at least, he's you know he's not along those lines. Yeah, yeah, Aaron. Um, I mean, I think aside from Scientology, he's kind of just an asshole, anyways. Why is this? Why do you think he's an asshole? I don't know. I've just heard so many set stories, um, even from my own grandmother who used to work on sets, um, that he was kind of just a drama queen uh-huh. on set. So I don't know. Did your grandma come in contact with him? Um, she used to work in craft services. I forget what movie it was. Um, he did a war movie, I think. Valkyrie? No. No? Uh... What other war movies has Tom Cruise done? Not War of the Worlds. No. no. Uh, a Few Good Men. That's kind of a war no, movie. It's like it a courtroom like, it was drama. It a short title. I forget the name. It might have been in his early career before he really hit it big in um, the late I, 80s. I think Man, it was. This bothers me. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, anyways. Oh, no, no, no. I know what you're talking about. Taps? Yes. Taps. Yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, she worked yeah. on that set. And it was basically... Just, it was a similar situation of like, I only want the green M&Ms and if, if it's not all green, then... I was going to mention that. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. What an, yeah. He, he definitely gives off a douchey vibe, which is why, fun fact, everyone listening, it's not your favorite film, right? But Magnolia is Aaron's favorite film of all time. Yes. From Paul Thomas Anderson. And in that movie, Tom Cruise plays, I think, one of the most repulsive characters I've ever seen put to film. In terms of like, he doesn't even necessarily do something horrific. He doesn't kill anyone. He doesn't molest anyone he's just such an asshole in that movie like the first line he says is respect the cock right yeah that's the first line and follows it up with something worse yes and (laughs) yeah yeah um my mom actually said that he's basically just playing himself in that role that's like a like an autobiography like autobiography kind of thing well that's what makes it so so wonderful about and i don't want to spoil the film for you but 
what's what makes it so wonderful wonderful about where his character goes it makes you think well how fake is this really yeah I mean, how you know has this ever happened to tom cruise or could this ever happen to him yeah i mean you know it's and really, and he got the most acclaim for that role right he got a golden globe he won it i believe so and then he got nominated for the academy award yeah and then just a slew of other but he's so good in that movie because he does go through it's one of my favorite arcs in a like in any character by the end of that movie i the first time I watched it, I was in tears when he's by the bedside of his of his dad. Like that, yeah. you know, yeah, like same. that's it's such a it's such a heart wrenching moment in terms of this guy went from you know because you, you you kind of understand why he is this way, and it's so it's so unfortunate. So I don't know. I I love Tom Cruise. It's but when I started going down the Scientology rabbit hole, I was just like, man, I really I can't. From here on out, I just I don't feel good going to like Mission Impossible twelve. You know, like I just don't feel good about it. Even though yeah, it's a little far fetched, I guess you could say, to be like, Yeah, you're supporting Scientology, but I don't know, just something about it. But um I'm really, really excited for you to see this movie because I think how many Kubricks have you seen? I've seen The Shining. Yeah, we gotta do some Dr. math. Here. Love. What'd you say? We gotta do some math here because I've seen them all with her. Oh, okay. Have she seen? So The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Doctor Strange Love. Um, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Full Metal. Yeah. So a lot. I'm of his, suddenly forgetting them all. <laughs> a lot of his later work. I feel like about halfway through, probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've seen. I think. Ten. Ten, maybe. Okay. We so got thirteen total. He, yeah, he only has thirteen. Yeah. I and even watched um, Fear and Desire, which, um, <laughs> you know, it's fun. For like a film enthusiast to watch that movie, yeah, it's fun. It's to a little see. bit encouraging too. Exactly, because it's so um, <laughs> like bare bones and uh, inept, you know. And that's what both of you want to do, right? You both want to do something in the yes, in yes, the filmmaking sir. field, which is why you. I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons why you guys are kind of like, you know, I guess perfect for each other because you have similar interests, right? Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. T- 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 Touching the heart. There you go. Um, you have similar interests. Are you guys going to go to the same? Because I know Flagler College. Yes, we're both going to Flagler College mm-hmm. uh, in the fall. So it's like you're not going to split up. The right? same major too. Yeah. For, exactly. Um, media production. And so I don't know. It's it, it it's it's awesome that you guys found each other in such a because you're seventeen. Mm-hmm. About to be eighteen or no? Not even yes. close. No, next month. Less than a month away. Yeah. And I'm just eighteen. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So like what are your like what are your future plans in terms of where you want this to go? Do you want to do like directing? Like Palmer, what is your It's almost like whenever whenever a young person especially gets into filmmaking, the directing is the only, you know, it's the, it's the ultimate goal. Yeah. You know. And I can't deny that that's kind of what you know, what I'm leaning towards, but there's so many aspects that go into a production especially, you know, when you're in a lower budget bracket, you have to do so much more and you have to learn how to do so much more than you do in Hollywood where, you know, you can always be a PA or you can always be a cameraman and you can kind of have a career and a specialty. Um, and the more I learn about like Hollywood and the more I see how, you know, how these productions are pulled together the more I lose faith in it a little bit and um, I'm drawn to more towards like independent genre cinema that's kind of what I, I get really obsessed with and that's what I want to do so 
And now that technology is really taken off, everyone can kind of make a movie. Oh, yeah. And you've gotten so many different avenues to make really creative stuff that so many people have just taken and run with, um, which is really encouraging. And that's, you know, that gives me a lot of hope going into it as a, you know, young man without a lot of, without any connections, without any you mm-hmm. know, foothold in the industry. Aaron? Well, I can't follow that up, but... Um, you want to do everything but craft service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't want to... No offense uh, to your grandmother. <laughs> um, I think if I had to like really choose one, I would say cinematography is the ultimate goal, but I would also be happy with literally any other job. Like, I really love editing too, so oh, I'd yeah. be okay with that. I can't... I don't think I can direct very well, so I wouldn't want to be that. I'd be a little afraid to do that. Uh-huh. Um, and I can't write at all it's the worst <laughs> part of the process yeah editing editing's because i remember when i was little i would do like these little kind of on on like really crappy phones back in the day when phones were like still flip phones but you could somehow film and and i think there was the ability to do it on the phone but i just editing is a lot of fun because and a lot of people say it's that's how you can you can make a an amazing film and then you can kind of edit it down to a mediocre film or vice versa. You can make a mediocre film and just in the editing process, you've made this masterpiece somehow, you know, like, cause we're getting the, what we're getting the Batman V Superman Snyder cut. Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because that's like an entirely different movie, right? Apparently. Apparently. Supposedly. We don't, we don't know for sure. I haven't, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of a passive observer in that particular <laughs> instance. I just, I want to see everybody either get, you know, get what they want or just be really angry about it. Yeah. But, um, I think while we're on the, while we're on the topic of like Kubrick or in that, while that's in the ballpark, um, I can't quote him exactly, but he, he said something that, uh, I really took to heart about editing in particular, which is that I think a lot, he thinks a lot of filmmakers, uh, see editing as a means of composing what they've shot. But the way he sees it is that essentially when you're shooting a movie, you are, shooting footage for the purpose of being edited, not the other way around. You were essentially getting footage just so that you can edit it. So really editing was really important to him. And, and why I think that he, shows in his in his his work. And why he did so many takes. Yeah. Why he was really kinda Did you ever listen to that podcast, Kubrick's Universe? No, no, unfortunately I didn't. They 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 go so in depth on on talking to people and, and just listening to you know, these collaborators that worked with him you really start to, I don't know, like that, that podcast is one of my favorites because you really start to realize this guy was, I mean, it's, it's, it's clear he's a genius, but he, he was like right on that borderline of being a, a Tom Cruise in a way. A little bit. Maybe yeah. why he wanted to work with Tom Cruise. Bit of a control freak. <laughs> yeah. Really bad. Yeah. I believe he still holds the record for the amount of takes. And is it The Shining? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's the stair scene. Oh, of them going up the stairs? Yeah, yeah it's over 100, I think. And there's a lot of people now that are, I don't want to say canceling him, but that's kind of what they're doing. You know, they're looking back on the whole Shelley Duvall thing and they're not happy about it. Yeah. And they don't like it. And, they, you know, that's kind of affecting their perception of him. And that's where I, it's hard for me, you know, because I see what they mean, but I just can't, you know, the fanboy in me, and that's not the important thing here, but really fighting against that idea you know what i mean i mean oh, yeah. he also he got a great performance out of shelly duvall so he did you gotta give credit to that yeah. at least yeah for sure did you ever see uh, her appearance on dr phil yeah <laughs> i feel um, i feel terrible for her 
It is really sad. It's sad, but I mean, people even kind of canceled him at that point. They were like, why are you doing this to this this woman? And it's like, eh. I think Dr. Phil's a grifter. What does that I mean? I mean, I just don't respect him. I think he, you know, kind of profits off of like drama and oh, okay. and this kind of exploitative nature of reality TV. I mean, I, you know, I don't have any huge vendetta against him, but he's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Well, this is funny because I don't know if you've uh, ever Googled Dr. Phil, but this is the stuff I Google. And this is what pops up when you pull up his show. I think it's hysterical. It's listed as, oh, wow, no, they fixed it. No, hold on. You need to do the Dr. Phil show, not him. Dr. Phil show. It's listed as, what the hell? Why is it not coming up? It is called the Dr. Phil show, right? Or is it just Dr. Phil? Not entirely sure. That Google's telling us Dr. Phil. Either way, when you Google his show, like you actually get the show, yeah. not him, it's listed as a comedy. <laughs> That's what it's listed as. I mean, it kind of is. <laughs> Maybe someone complained and Google was wise to it and said, oh, oh talk, talk show. show. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was probably Dr. Phil. He probably Googled himself and he was like, why am I listed as a comedy? This is not right. <laughs> and no. then, yeah. He got his uh, he got his people to fix it, but I'm I'm trust like trust me I, I saw that with my own two two eyes it was it was listed as a comedy and I thought that was the funniest thing I even sent it to a couple friends I was like look at this is this is what it's listed as because he is he is uh I mean but he's kind of aware of it because he did that uh, cameo in Scary Movie Four I don't know if you've ever seen that have you seen that movie they make a it's it's a parody of the um, one of the openings of the Saw movies like where they're stuck in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. And it's him and Shaquille O'Neal. And uh, Shaquille O'Neal is basically like, you know, what do we do? You're a doctor. Come on, man. Help us. And he's like, I'm actually not a doctor. I'm an electrician. (laughs) And it's just like, so he's kind of aware of it. You know what I mean? He kind of pokes fun at himself. So um, I kind of like Dr. Phil. I just like the way he talks. He's. Do you follow him on Twitter? I don't. By chance? No, I don't. You do? I recommend it. I mean, I don't. (laughs) <laughs> but I see the highlights, and there's some there's some really funny and bizarre things on there. He just has a a strange way of putting him out there, pub, putting himself out out there, you know, publicly. Yeah. Well, he gave us arguably the worst thing ever in Cash Me Outside. Like that was, I think that that I think might have been when someone edited it to comedy. I think that might have been the moment where they went online. They were like, "All right, this Cash Me Outside girl is this is now a comedy show." Yeah. And you she's know. still popular, unfortunately. So. Is she? She's a she's, singer or a rapper yeah. now. So. Oh my god! She came up as a as a rapper, and I think her name is. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's one of those like something bad baby. That's yeah. what it is. Bad baby. And baby is spelled. It's like B H A B I E. That is spelled B H A D. Oh my god! That's like uh, there used to be this this clothing line. It might still be around. Fat Farm. P H A T. And I used to wear that. No, like no, and and South Pole. I used to wear that shit. I don't know why I wore that stuff. It was like really baggy clothing. Yeah, early two thousands. I'll excuse yeah, it. Yeah, it was really awful. But uh, that that's 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 crazy. We got to bring back the um, what were those flowy, enormous pants? Jungle jeans. Jungle jeans. Yes. Okay. Yep. There those you are, go. I know those are going to make a resurgence at some point. Everything does. Everything yeah, does. Yeah. So right now, what we're in the. Like, if we have to pick a decade, what decade are we in that's resurging? I think it's kind of a mixture of, like, 70s and 90s right now, I think. <laughs> no, it's like, no 80s. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think people have grown a distaste for the 80s a little bit because, like, it, 
it had so many motifs that just got recycled and recycled and recycled and recycled. Yeah. And people got tired of that. I um, think there's a bit of a modern version of the 80s going around right now due to Stranger Things because some things mm. are accurate in there, but a lot of it is just like t-shirts and jean jackets and flannel and that's not all it was. Unfortunately, there was leg warmers and workout gear. Yeah. Yeah, the are bell bottoms back? Sort of. Sort of, kind of. Yeah, you and see a lot of Instagram influencers wearing that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's 70s, right? Yeah. That's I'll, like, I'll admit, I've thought about buying a pair. A bell bottoms? Yeah. I can yeah. dig it. I can dig it. Yeah, there's, there's, it, it, it's very interesting what does come back. Cause like talking about the Stranger Things, like they, when they release it on home media, they release it in a VHS kind of like collectible package kind of deal. Yeah, I, I have that actually. Do they still do that or did that kind of go away? Um, or is it I don't like think every season. I don't think they released season three, but I have season one and I saw season two at Target. Yeah. And it went on clearance. No one really wanted it. So. Oh, no. I saw that exact same thing. It's like a whole stack of these things. Just five bucks. Just like, please take these things. No one took them. They're just sitting there still. I'm pretty sure they're still there. Probably. I think it's, I think it's a weird <laughs> idea in people's heads maybe that, well, I have this on Netflix. Why would I need it on on, uh, on DVD now? That's true. I've thought about that a couple times for like older movies that... I see it on the shelf at like FYE and it's like $15. I'm like, uh, it's on Netflix. I'll just watch it there. Oh, I mean, but, we're, we're but, all big believers in phys physical media. I was right? going to, yeah. you just took it out, but yeah. I was going to say you guys love Criterion. I love Criterion. It's uh, that's one of the, it's going on right now as of this recording. Have you guys been there yet? Yes. You've been there. <laughs> okay. I have so I've wasted so I wouldn't say wasted. I've spent a lot of money in the past two weeks on Criterions. <laughs> I, I started out with two that I think Palmer gave me for Christmas. One yeah. of them being the Before Trilogy? No, he gave me that for Valentine's Day, I think. Uh, okay. it, was, uh, it was your graduation present. Was it? Pretty pretty okay. baller yeah. graduation yeah. present, I think. <laughs> um, and then another one was just a random... Um, it was like Royal the Royal Tenenbaums, yeah. And it was on DVD at the local bookstore for like $2 on sale because they were, I guess they're closing, unfortunately. A Criterion? Um, yeah. Wow. I, by the way, check them out. They, they got some good Blu-ray deals there. Hell yeah. Um, It's crazy. So I only had those four, and then the sale came around, and I probably have about 13 now. Wow. Yeah, Criterion is, uh, do either of you know when it was founded? No, I'm before Laserdisc. A little trivia. Yeah. I have no idea. It's rather old. It is 1984, and I only know that because that's the year Terminator released. <laughs> did they actually did they release the Terminator on Laserdisc? It's no, no. no. Because I know they... Um, There's no Cameron films on, on yeah. Criterion. Because I know the collection is uh, like way more selective now because they only started numbering them, I think, in maybe the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh -huh. When they had the Laserdisc era, they were just releasing whatever they could. I mean, they put out like big films like uh, Pulp Fiction... Um, you know, a lot of those, um, RoboCop, yep. a lot of those films that you wouldn't expect to find in what's now known as an art house, you know, Armageddon, boutique, yeah, Armageddon, <laughs> boutique, you know, Blu-ray label. So they've, they've, they've changed over time and become more niche, but I think they profited more from that. Isn't I think it, it would be neat if they put Terminator on, um, or one or two on Criterion just because, oh um. Isn't the 4K really bad? And that's the, yeah. the highest quality they've done so far. Yeah. they. Uh, uh, I don't have a 4K, but I just bought it because I'm a completist and I try to have every single version of like any Cameron film that's ever been released on home media. But apparently they, they just look too waxy. 
Like that's like the biggest complaint. Too clear of a picture, I guess. Yeah. Like, and that, that's sort of like why, like, when do you stop? Like, when do you stop remastering a film and making it clearer and clearer and How clearer? How clearer can you get? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like now we're up to, because now 8K is a thing, right? That's not, 10K is a thing. 10K is a, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. I, but, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. It's like, you can only get so clear. Yeah. And there's an art to film restoration and uh, upscaling that I think deserves a lot of respect that it doesn't always get. Yeah. And that's why places like Criterion and Arrow Video and... Um, those labels are really, really important because they they treat that shit like it's sacred, mm-hmm. and they do an amazing job. And when they when they fail, it's because they can't control it. But some of the criterions I have, they have like like literally just scenes or individual frames that you can tell could not have been saved, you know, from films that are maybe from long ago or from a country where they didn't get the treatment they deserved. And but you can tell that you know they tried so hard to get that right but it's literally impossible because maybe those frames are missing or maybe they're you know ruined. Yeah. Um, it's amazing what they do. I know one of the best ones that recently came out is the new Jaws. Like they're saying that that 4K is incredible. And it seems like Jaws is like every release they've ever come out with, it just seems to keep getting better. Like the the reviews are like, oh my God, it looks better than before. Oh my God, it's even better than that one. And that's, you might have a future and like, because it sounds like you're actually kind of passionate about that. Like, if if you landed in like a film restoration kind of deal, would you? I be, could totally see Palmer working right? for Criterion. Yeah, just the way you talked about that, like the if, biggest problem I would have with working for Criterion though would be keeping shit to myself <laughs> because I'm a part of the fan base. Yeah. So if I worked there, I would just be You'd be in the closet. No, no pun intended. I mean, I would be <laughs> teasing left and right. Like, I'd get fired. Yeah. I also I also don't know if you'd have the patience to restore all that because that's frame by frame. I think I could do it. Although, and, I, I don't know about every film in the collection though. Like some of those things are a little a little boring for me. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I don't like every. I don't love every film in the collection. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Do you guys watch? Um, he was actually my first guest when I redid the podcast. Daisuke Beppu. Like, do you know who? I love Daisuke Beppu. Yeah. I follow him on Instagram. He's always posting something. I mean, interesting. That, that dude has everything. Like, he has every criterion that's ever been released. And I think he has it. You know, he has multiple. He has the laser discs. He has everything. And uh, yeah, just getting him on and talking to him. And he's he's one of the most polite people that I've ever talked to. He's so polite. It's weird. And, and, and I know that's part of the culture where he's from, like the Japanese culture, but it, it was very it was very bizarre talking to him. We did a whole lot of Cameron talk because I thought I wanted to do a Cameron podcast. So I got to get him back on at some point. But he's a he is he is my go to. Like if something happens in the Criterion world, it's like, oh, what does Daisuke think kind of deal? Yeah, he's, he's 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 known for like giving out information kind of on things. Yeah, people go to him when when they want to know something. Yep. Like, is this going to happen? Is this not going to happen? Yeah, love them. But yeah, uh, they should release, like there should be some Cameron film on Criterion. It's, 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 there's a Michael Bay film. There's two Michael Bay films on Is Criterion. There? There's The Rock and Armageddon. And it's just, it's such a disgrace. I don't know, like if there's a, like how do they pick? Do you know how they pick? Is there a, like what's the process? I, I believe it comes down to what they can, what they can get. License. Licensing, yeah. Damn. Well, and there's that. There's, and then they also have to have the, um, I guess the right prints for it or like they can actually obtain Mm -hmm. the file of the movie. And there's also a matter of the need for it too. So, you know, a lot of films out there like 2001, for instance, has a really great 4k out there with 
great features, you know, everything. So there's no need really to release a Criterion 2001. As, as much as we love the idea of 2001 being in the collection, I mean, what, what's the purpose, essentially? And you plus, know, what, what can they add? Plus, Criterion doesn't even do 4K currently. Yeah. So it yeah. would be a, like a downgrade in mm-hmm. a way. So I think in any fan base, there's kind of an like a, you know, it's very, we're very quick to get like these idealized, you know, depict, um, ideas about any of our favorite films being in the collection or whatever, but yeah. not necessarily always the case. I really wish they did more animation, though. Yes. Because there's only two on there, I think. There's Fantastic Planet and... Uh, Watership Down. Yeah, and that's it. And two out of uh, almost 1,500 now. Yeah, there's... Does does Fantastic Mr. Fox count? Or is that... Uh, is that on Criterion? I thought it was. That, that's it Wes Anderson, right? I guess make that three. Yeah, then. yeah. so that would count. So I'd be okay. wrong about that. But still, out of the amount that they've done, that's not a lot. No, for sure. No. But is that... Because now I'm second guessing myself. Is that considered animation that movie, or is it's that stop like motion a animation? Stop so yeah. motion. Okay. Yeah, like a Wallace and Gromit kind of thing. Yeah. 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 That's uh, it's it's. I love Criterion so much, and they're what they're based in New York, right? Mm-hmm. They're based in New York, yep. and they have the for anyone listening that was like, why did you make that closet comment? They have a closet that they make. Yeah. They have, I guess, notable filmmakers, actors, whatever. They go in there and they can just kind of take whatever they want. That's the I guess the idea. And I'm always curious about that because it's like, can they genuinely take whatever they want? They can take the entire closet <laughs> if they wanted they, to they probably pull the whole closet. I just want to become a famous director <laughs> so that I can visit there and just take everything I want. Yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. Stop directing. I love the, um, the one with the Safety brothers because they really go in detail. They pick up a film off the shelf. They go in detail about the film and why it influenced them as filmmakers. And then they didn't, they don't even put it in their, in their bag they just put it back on the shelf they only took about like three or four films each interesting well they made a mess they picked up so many films they did and they're like oh this is embarrassing yeah they, they did pick up so many <laughs> different things and only ended up taking you know three or four because they're they didn't they want to be greedy they don't want to take everything but they had so much to say i mean they're just they've got such a knowledge yeah and you know how are you guys handling no movie theaters being open Right now, are you kind of suffering on the inside? There was Dying a little? there is one theater open that we went to, which is the Enzian Theater in Maitland, and that is a great theater. Um, is it a drive-in or is it a? It's a sit-down, but they're very, very, very clean. Okay. Um, I yeah. felt I felt really safe in there. Everyone was super distanced. Everyone was wearing a mask. It's required. Mm-hmm. Um, they were cleaning tables constantly, so hmm. I felt extremely safe there. Um, and we watched Empire Strikes Back, and um. Just the other day, uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Okay. She watched Moonrise Kingdom. I was in the car because I was very sick. Uh-oh. Yeah. No COVID? No, no COVID. <laughs> Thank God. No, it was just a migraine. But as soon as I was okay. in the theater and I realized, like, I can't be here, uh, I was, like, very, I got very nervous because um, I was, like, I was sick in the bathroom or whatever, and the guy comes in, one of the employees, and he's, like, hey, bud, everything all right? And I was, like, yeah, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Because I'm so nervous about that. Like, I don't want to, you know, yeah. give anyone the impression that anything's wrong here. Because it, it's just it's just such a weird phenomenon we've got going on right now. Like, you don't want to cough in public or sneeze or anything. Oh, yeah. Give people the wrong idea. Yeah. Are your face masks, like, movie-inspired? <laughs> She's reaching I in her bag. I have mine right here. <laughs> and she has a Ratatouille keychain. I have a Baby got? Yoda mask. Oh, okay, yeah. Dis- uh, Disney Springs, right? Yeah. Disney Springs. Interesting. Yeah, my uh my buddy 
Durant Cinema. He has uh, he just released his latest video. It's a Terminator Two face mask. I was like, oh I my god, that. Yeah. That, oh, I, I need that. Where'd you get it? It's funny because now it's becoming like a business. Yeah, the mask like, industry is booming here. It's a new popular accessory, I think. Yeah, I think I think once this thing clears, which who knows when it's going to clear. I just talked to uh, the guy that designed my logo last night. I had him on, and uh, we were talking about we were looking up the Spanish flu, and the Spanish flu lasted for two years. And I was like, oh my god, what if that's us now? What if this lasts until twenty twenty two? Yeah, and think you know, about that. That was about what a hundred years ago. Oh yeah, and the world was a lot more spaced out and distant. Not not as right? many people were getting about getting about. Less people. So. Who knows, man? Yeah. So this 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 face mask thing could definitely this might be a thing to invest in if there's like stocks for it or <laughs> I mean it's it stuck around in um Asian countries for years just as a staple because of I believe most people wore it for air pollution and sometimes for diseases and stuff. Yeah. Um so I could totally see it staying forever in America. I mean not with everyone because there obviously there's anti maskers, but yeah. I could see it Flat earthers. Yeah. <laughs> but I could I could see it staying for a while. Which by the way, just while we're on flat earth. Okay. We're always on flat earth. Don't you know that? <laughs> I, I was gonna say, like, how do we know? Like genuinely. How can you say the earth is round? Have you seen it? You've only seen it on this thing. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? I know I now I know I sound like I'm one of the flat earthers. I'm not. I'm like in the middle. I don't like the way I believe in religion, it's like I'm, I don't necessarily believe nor disbelieve. It's okay, like, so, so you're not going to condemn them. I don't condemn believe. them. No, okay. no, no. But I don't shun them. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like I don't be like, oh my God, flat earth. It's like, okay. they, they might have a point. I mean, you've only ever seen what's been provided to you. And it's very much like Truman in the Truman show. Right. You know no what spoilers. I mean? spoilers. I haven't seen it. <sighs> All right. Well, spoiler alert. Fuck it. We're not watching. Yeah. I know what show. the Truman show Truman is Truman about. Show. <laughs> yeah. The Truman show, I prefer over Eyes Wide Shut. I will. I will say that it's it deserves a rewatch for me. Oh my god, yeah. it's such a creative idea. It's amazing. Like, do you know the basic idea? Yes, okay. I I, I okay. know a good amount about it. The level of detail and everything, yeah, uh, is is incredible. They really thought every little detail of that world out. Yeah, yeah. And now Jim Carrey is like, I love the way he thinks. I love the way Jim Carrey talks. I love the way he has a great Netflix documentary called Jim and Andy, talking about yeah. when he got into the Andy Kaufman man on the moon and how he got so in depth into that character. He, he almost couldn't separate, you know, himself from that character. He, that's how invested he got into it. And, and it's just such an amazing document that this is back when he had like that crazy ass beard. Yeah. So he looked kind of far out there and he, and he's so philosophical now. He's just like, I'm not, I'm not me. Like I'm just this thing inhabiting this avatar kind of thing. And, and to a lot of people, it's like, dude, you're, what are you smoking, man? Like, but he has points, you know? He's a wonderful human being, like, yeah, on every level. Oh my God. He just released this book. Um, it's like a half memoir, half fake thing. It's called Memoirs and Misinformation. Mm. And um, I think I might, I'll, I'll probably listen to the audiobook. I don't read a whole lot. Do you guys read a lot? I try, but I fail. Yeah, not me particularly. I can't read. I buy what it is. Because I I read, but I buy books at a faster rate than I read them. Does that make sense? So you're, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you collect them a lot more. Because I love the, I love the idea of being well read and I want to get there, but it is, it's so time, you know. That's what I'm saying. And then if you listen to the audiobook, if you, like, if you have that, oh my God, it's like, even this guy's kind of talking a little too slow. You can go on, like, 
whatever app you're on, you can kind of push it forward in terms of speed. Mm. You can, like a lot of people do that. They'll increase the speed so that you're hearing the information a little quicker. Yeah. But it's not like, you know, it's not entirely distracting. It's, they, they, they somehow figure out a way to make the voice still sound natural. You know, yeah. like you're not just fast forwarding a voice like, bada, 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 bada. it's, you're still able to get all the information, but you're getting it a little quicker because the narrator might be a little too slow for you. I'm sure there's an art to it. Like, oh, yeah. I'm sure that people just specialize in that. Yeah. Doing a good audiobook. Yeah. Jeff Daniels narrated the one Jim Carrey did. He's from Dumb and Dumber. Oh, wow. I yeah. That. Yeah. He got him to narrate it. The guy that did the, the newsroom on HBO. Hmm. Yeah. So I think it's funny how, um, how Jim Carrey's career kind of blossomed because I think when you, he just, he, he presents those talents early on of being a funny guy, a really wacky comedic, you know, uh, character actor. And, um, he almost gets typecast into that a little bit with things like Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, stuff like that. But for whatever reason, these these people, these you know, casting agents and directors, they see the potential there for real good dramatic acting, and that puts him in the Truman Show, puts him in Eternal Sunshine, and now we we kind of have this uh, this mixed perception of him looking back. Uh, well, he's a great comedian, you know, he's a great goofy kind kind of guy, but he's also a really philosophical dramatic kind of actor um i think that duality in him is really 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 interesting yeah yeah because now you have like what's his latest movie sonic right that's his like most recent movie yeah. which is like a callback to the ace ventura days and it's sort of like you know i guess he maybe did that to kind of because he because he realized like there's a big gap in terms of like the family entertainment he was providing i don't know what his last family movie it might have been a christmas carol I think that might have been like the last Maybe. family-friendly movie he ever Which, made. By the way, it was a great Wasn't, film. I love that movie. It yeah. is a good movie. Wasn't yeah. he also in a series of unfortunate events? Yes, that's a uh, 04, I think. 04, 05. So he did that. He did Grinch. Uh, Horton Hears a Who. Grinch is a, a fine piece of cinema. Is that sarcasm, or is it real? No. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I I love the Grinch. Me too. I love the Grinch. Now, on the flip side, the cat in the hat, that's a disgrace. Oh, to, don't know. That's a no, disgrace. Don't even yeah. stop. Stop right there. It's a good movie. You've split the room. <gasps> you like the cat in the hat? I love the cat with in Mike the hat. With Mike Myers? Yes. Oh, my God. I embrace the cat in the hat. I don't. Yeah, oh I, I like the cat in the hat. I'll come out and say it. I have a sound on here, but I don't know which one it is. I need to label these things. Um, Press a random one. <laughs> <laughs> um, that movie is just like, you know, that's why. Now, if they make a Dr. Seuss movie, it has to be animated because Dr. Seuss's wife saw the cat in the hat and was like, I did see that. This is a disgrace against his everything he ever believed in. It's okay. It's a, it is a train wreck. <laughs> but in being a train wreck, it becomes so, so uh, attractive. Like I'm just, I, I, I see a train wreck like that and I'm like, all right, this is, this could only exist at this place and time. Right. In this particular place and we have to recognize that and enjoy it i mean What's, hey you love the room don't you i was literally just about to say there's a difference because the room is a train wreck that is actually fun to watch besides like the visual aspect of the cat in the hat which the production design on that movie is incredible and i think it's i think it's the same guy that did the production design on the grinch but then he or no no what am i trying to say here it's it's the guy's name is Bo welch that's all i know and i think he was either the director on the cat in the hat or he was the production designer on both Grinch and Cat in the Hat. But 
besides that, like it's 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 very fun to just look at. It's a, it's a very visually grabbing kind of movie. I don't know, Mike Myers in that movie, and plus it's very perverted. Like that's the I think the biggest complaint against that movie. It's like this is a kids movie, and yet every other thing is like some kind of subversive adult humor. And it's but just that's like, why I think I like it. Really? I have to I just agree. think it's fun. It's funny. See, the Grinch was able to walk that fine line, I think. There was a couple moments in that movie, particularly when he's a little boy and he arrives at like he arrives oh, yeah. at that that party, which is very much uh hinted at at being like a swinger party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the like the carriage lands and then the, the like the like one of the it's like a random kid and the person comes out and it's like Honey, the baby's here. Kind of looks like your boss. <laughs> it's just like that's the stuff you don't understand when you watch it at 12. And then as you get older, you're like, oh, I get. Oh, OK, yeah. the wife cheated. I get it. OK, <laughs> it's like. But the cat in the hat is too on the nose with like being dirty. I will say the, the, the Grinch uh, is way more refined in that respect. And it walks that line pretty well, like you said. But um, I don't know. The, like, like I said, the art of the train wreck. Yeah. That is uh, <laughs> the, the bad taste Coming soon from Palmer to Barnes and Noble, the art of the train wreck. (laughs) Hey, don't tap me with a good time. Um, You know, just the the lack of taste that went into that movie, it just really makes it something to behold, I think. Yeah. So what movie that is not in Criterion would you want to see in the Criterion? Cat in the Hat. Cat in the Hat. (laughs) I'm kidding. No, no, no. Like that could, you know what? Because there's like, I don't know. Armageddon's in the Criterion Collection. Like everyone brings it back to Armageddon. Like how's that in there? All right. Um, a serious uh, answer. Serious yeah, answer. Yeah, I, I would not say Cat okay. in the Hat, by the way. And then a fake. But then like a fake answer. So your fake answer is Cat in the Hat. Yes. I'll have to think on a fake answer, but I know um, serious answer. Uh, Fallen Angels, nineteen ninety five. That would be great. A uh, uh, Hong Kong film. Okay. Hong Kong Y. Um, it's in the like it's on the channel, the Criterion channel, which by the way. Subscribe to that if you can, um, and that's how I discovered it. And it's now, you know, Fantastic one, of, one of one of, if not my favorite films of all time. Um, yet to reach the collection, yet to reach the physical collection. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. on the streaming service, but not in their collection. For yeah, it doesn't have a number yet. Okay, that's interesting how they do that too, where mm-hmm. they'll have movies on that on that streaming service, but I guess it's not technically considered canon. Yeah, in the I, collection. I guess there's um, they've got way more. Uh, rights available to them that they can publish on the collection or that, they, or that they can share kind of on the collection. And on that collection is so much, you know, real obscurity. Yeah. Like films from countries that you would have never expected to see. Um, and it really is beautiful. Yeah. That's all right. Now, fake answer or you, you can't think of one? <laughs> we got to think of one before the end of the podcast. All right. And your serious answer? Um, My serious answer would be Really, any Paul Thomas Anderson movie would be amazing uh-huh. on Criterion. I, they have Punch Drunk Love. I'm, I don't think they have anything else. No, nothing else. Um, really? But the, the Punch Drunk Love set is really great. Um, but a- any other Paul Thomas Anderson movie would be great um, with a bunch of extras. And, like, you know, they come with a little booklet. I would love to read all of that from Paul Thomas Anderson about yeah. any of his movies. They could do a really great job. They, they used to do sets that kind of look like Criterion's, but for DVDs. And I have... The Boogie Nights one and the yeah, There Will Be Blood. Yeah, I have yeah. I have the There Will Be Blood one, and those are great sets, but mm-hmm. they're on DVD and yeah. they don't really yeah. come with like they don't come with a booklet, but like they look amazing and they're nice little sets and they look nice on the shelf. But I would love a Criterion. 
I will say I, I really do see Criterion doing a release for the master. It's very much up their alley, and it, it doesn't have a great release. Like it's got kind of a mediocre bare bones Blu-ray. Yeah, so I can see them doing that. It totally deserves it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that's nuts. Punch Drunk Love is the only one, but that was much needed because that was only on DVD. That never had a Blu-ray. So yeah. when that was announced, I was like, "Yeah, go Criterion." Um, I don't think I, I want to say Terminator, but uh, I don't want to be predictable. Um, you could say that's like a side answer, you know, cause now I love, and I, and it's very much bare bones as well. Her, like, I think her could really, they, they that would be a good set, particularly because Spike Jones doesn't do a whole lot of, mm-hmm. he doesn't talk a lot about his movies. Yeah. And he has made it into the collection. Is that right? He's got, um, what is it? Being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich in there. Yeah. And I would love to just like, I don't know what my favorite part would be like the, the artwork they designed for it because I know that they, like they sometimes just like with the before trilogy, like the art on those, on those separate sleeves you get is just, that's one of my favorite sets of all time is I the before that. trilogy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so good. And then having rewatched that before sunrise knocked sunset out. Cause like it was in hindsight, like, like in memory, it was before sunset was my favorite. And then I rewatched the entire trilogy recently. And I was like, wait, hold on, hold on. I got to reassess this. Something about sunrise is just, did you guys watch that? Cause you said you were going to try to watch it. No, we weren't able to. to. I will say though, it seems like, uh, before midnight is just kind of the forgotten child. Like I'm sure it's good. People yeah. like it. But yeah. um, nobody, it's nobody's favorite. It sounds like a Star Wars situation where everyone forgets about the third. It's, it's, I think it's because it's a little too real for some people. One and two are sort of like fantastical in the way that it kind, kind of, of plays out. Yeah, there's yeah. like a heightened sense of this doesn't necessarily happen in real life. And then we get to the third and act. And then you get to the third one. Yeah, and now like they're arguing and, and, and you start to see like this marriage kind of... These are the real consequences of what this is. Yeah. And I think that's why it's like a lot of people's least favorite. But having rewatched it, I was like, damn, this is a... It's it's my least favorite of the trilogy, but it's actually really better than, than I remember watching because I was pretty young when I saw it. You ever notice the third <laughs> entry in a trilogy is always the least appreciated? If not, I mean... I don't say the worst because yeah. that's always going to be subjective, but the third entry is always the hardest most part, the least appreciated of Forgotten any three. About. Yeah. When you talk about it, the Godfather part, uh, part three, mm-hmm. um, you know, Return Last of the Crusade. Jedi, Last Crusade. Last yeah. Crusade. And then, but then you sometimes get like the, the Spider-Man threes, which is like, you don't even appreciate it. It's just like, I don't want it to be in there kind of deal. Yeah. It's like, can we erase it? Can it just be one and two? Is that okay? Batman Forever, I guess that technically counts. Yeah, well, Dark Knight Rises as well. I mean, a lot of people hate that film. I I have a special place in my heart for it, but a lot of people hate it. I, I've only seen it. a little bit of it, and I don't really like it that much. No. Well, I, I I used to watch it on car rides a lot, and man, <laughs> it was it was epic. I mean, back then I I didn't really have a, a complex understanding of like storytelling and arcs, and the way that this kind of ham-fisted narrative just shoved that down my throat mm-hmm. really resonated with me. So. Yeah, it's um. Well, plus it has that you know it it's very much you think of that movie you think of theater incident that happened with that fuckwad. Yeah. So it's like it has like this kind of unwanted baggage attached to it. And Zine was actually showing Nolan films recently, and they showed the Dark Knight trilogy. And I I said to Palmer the other day that I don't know I, if I could have physically went in a theater and watched that movie 
yeah. just because of that situation. Yeah, it's interesting. And that movie theater that that happened at, they refused to show Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. I yeah. totally understand. It's it's, it's in good taste. Yeah, good taste it's, decision. It's unfortunate though. But it's like, what was the I? Was it because the guy that did the the shooting? Because he went in dressed as the like that's why, right? I guess that's, so. It's not because reason. it was a Batman movie. Yeah, that's one reason. But there's also there was a lot of discussion and a lot of the, it kind of was a, a red herring almost, or it, it amounted to nothing really. But there's a lot of discussion about how Joker was going to inspire shootings in theaters and schools or blah 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 blah, which didn't really happen. I mean, no. it's like the I don't media think... wanted it to happen, and it actually happened for Frozen Two. That. What? That same week or something? Yeah. Everyone, uh, the whole um, uh, media, for some reason, it sounded like they really wanted something to happen at Joker. But eventually, you know, it was horrible. Something happened at Frozen 2. What happened? Because I have no clue. It was, it was a, sh- it was a shooting? shooting. Yeah. In a Frozen 2 showing? I don't know if it was a shooting or if it was a stabbing. It was something like that. It was something... Just a violent act. Yeah, a but violent not, not act like, in a theater. But not like a mass shooting. No. Not something, okay. Oh, maybe it was. I don't remember, but it was something bad. Yeah. And everyone was like, hey, look, media, you forgot about that. That's that's crazy. I don't that's know perverse. why. That's, yeah, like that's, ugh, come on. I mean, I don't condone this shit at all, but I mean, if you're going to do it, I mean, <laughs> don't do it in a fucking <laughs> Disney movie. What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, there is an extra layer of perversity added to it because it's a Disney movie and because you know who's going to be there. So like, I mean, it's just, it's just sad. Yeah. Can we talk about for a moment how we talked about how Joker, there was so much discourse around how that was going to cause shootings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think media has this kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It has this kind of um, masochistic relationship with itself where it perpetuates the idea that it is going, it's going to you know, give people these ideas and influence their actions in that way while it also wants to dispel that idea and create, you know, imply that it's just fiction. Because I've always thought that, I mean, back in the 90s, we had the video, um, the argument emerged that video games, you know, made people violent mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the Columbine shooters were connected to Doom and all this other shit. And that's, you know, people still believe in that. People are still arguing about that today. And the same thing is happening with Joker. Same thing's happening with, you know, Plenty of violent movies over the years. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know they were connected to Doom. Well, they they just were they, avid Doom players. Damn. You ever see that TED Talk of the of one of the mothers? I have, yeah. That's, that's a great TED Talk. Yeah. They're like, you know, I was the mother of one of the shooters of Columbine. And what did I do wrong that made them go there? Kind of deal. Like she's kind of, like she feels very guilty about it kind of thing. Which, I don't know. It, it, it's impossible to put yourself in that situation, but it's like, I guess I understand why she feels that way. You know, did I do something wrong? How could you not feel that way? Yeah, <laughs> you know? could you have stopped it? Yeah, something like that. That's a good movie. Do something like that. Turn that into a movie. It's an idea. I could see you're giving pre- Hollywood ideas. I could see Christopher Nolan taking on taking on a, a you know some kind of time related idea with something like that, preventing a. This could be Tenet, by the way. We don't know what Tenet actually is yet, so this could definitely be what Tenet is. Well, don't a um, lot of like a lot of people think it's in the Inception world, right? Yeah, that's well, like the ha- tie. Have you heard a lot of the theories about it? Some people think that it's going to be about stopping nine eleven. Ooh. Which a lot of people think, 
that that would be bad. I think that would be kind of cool. No, that'd be great. Especially because the most recent 9-11 movie was a movie with Charlie Sheen and Whoopi Goldberg called 9-11. Did you know that? Yep. <laughs> and apparently, know that. It was a, that? apparently it was a piece of shit. A piece of shit. Yeah. It's got Charlie Sheen and Whoopi Goldberg, and Whoopi Goldberg. in a 9-11 movie. And, what and, would you and expect? As far as I know, it all, it all takes place in the elevator of one of the towers. I think Mark Wahlberg needs to front uh, a 9-11 movie. <laughs> have you heard his comments on 9-11? No. He what, thinks he could have stopped it. What he said was... Um, well, because he was supposed to get on the plane, right? Um, I, I can't attest to that. I don't know. Okay. I, would, I, I know what so. he said was, though, um, man, if it was me and my kids on that plane... It would have been a lot of bloodshed. It would have gone down like that. Oh, I do remember hearing about that. Yeah. Which is just so ridiculously egotistical. I mean, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. He actually, he's guilty about Boogie Nights. Like he, he feels after, I guess, some kind of Christian awakening in him or whatever, he feels like the devil persuaded him, you know, to be in that movie. And then he's guilty about all the, the pornographic and the, the sexual elements of it, which is not the point of the movie. Yeah. by the way. And he's like... <laughs> Even if it was, it's a fucking great movie. He's got this like Catholic guilt about Boogie Nights, which I find to be crazy. Catholic guilt. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, um, Mohan Drive, which I don't believe you've seen yet. I have not. Um, Billy, okay. So this is like a non-plot related spoiler, but Billy Ray Cyrus appears in a character actor role. He just kind of shows up. It's great. You'll love it. But he actually has accused David Lynch of like bringing the devil into his family because he was in that film. <laughs> and so like he's attributing Miley Cyrus's oh my media God. circulation of like all the things the she David did Lynch. around 2013 David Lynch can now. bring the devil into my family any day. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Which is crazy, as some people think. That is funny. Damn. Yeah, David Lynch is, I mean, I've only seen Eraserhead and that movie is just like... Do you like it? Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, I will say that that's the film that inspired me to really be serious about like wanting to be a filmmaker. Like it it it, it really opened my eyes to the creative possibilities. Yeah. Yeah, that movie it's it, I I think after I watched it I, and I was a while back, I just made a thing. I was like this is the weirdest movie I've ever seen, hands down. And Definitely I, I don't think I've ever seen a weirder movie since. I think that's probably the weirdest movie I've also seen. Yeah. Like I've seen some movies that like this is like something I'm really passionate about. Eli Roth's The Green Inferno. Okay. Yeah. Do you know that movie? You know that movie? I know based it, on, it's based on it. um, the Cannibal Holocaust, right? It's or it's kind of an homage to it's, that. It's an homage yeah. to that. And that's the only movie that I think like that I can remember watching in a, in the theater and being like, I'm two seconds away from walking out of this movie. And I and I've only ever walked out of one movie. It was called Hidalgo with uh, Viggo Mortensen. Okay. <laughs> Like that movie was just boring, but this, but this movie, the green inferno was so infuriating to me because I was like, what is the point of this movie? The point of the movie, the reason they're even there in the first place is to save the rainforest, quote unquote, these, like these college students take this plane to save the rainforest and it crashes and then they get picked up by these cannibals. So you're trying to save the rainforest and yet in doing so you get eaten alive. So it's like even the message is not good. It's like a backhanded compliment kind is of deal. Is it telling you not to save the rainforest? That's what I'm like. It's like save the rainforest, get eaten. It's the, like <laughs> the point of the movie is to ache, is to make Eddie mad. That's why it's called the Green Inferno. Oh, I Eddie like. Green. Hey, where's this yeah. thing? <laughs> <laughs> That's ah, uh, and there's no green in the movie anyway. Like yeah. the, like the poster. Uh, here, hold on, because like you would think, like the, even the poster has some uh, 
And Scream Factory released a special edition of this movie and it pissed me the fuck off. I was like, why? Why is this movie so like why why do you need to re-release this movie on like a special collector's yeah. edition? It's so oh, I hate this movie so much. It's so yeah. graphic too. It's actually really disturbing. All that I heard was that it was in really bad taste and that it was one of those movies in high school that it came out, I think, my freshman year. And uh, it was circulating among, you know, kids that were into edgy shit. Well, 2013, so it wouldn't have been... Well, it was re- it was recent, though. Yeah. Like, it leaked on, what, one, two, three movies? One Probably. of those websites? And look, it's got Junie from Spy Kids. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like... Uh, it's just so, like... Hostel and Saw are masterpieces compared to this. Yeah. It doesn't look like a movie I would like. I'll say that. Do you think it's it's um, antagonistic to the audience? Is that what you don't like about it? You think it antagonizes you a little bit? But I think that's the point of it. It's yeah. it's, it's supposed to make you really go like, "What am I watching?" But it's like there's n- there's nothing redeeming about it. So it's like it, it's uh, transgressive in an empty way, it's without so, any without any purpose. Yeah, it's so empty. And like I said, the the message of them trying to save the rainforest gets immediately cut. By being eaten alive by the people they're trying to save. So what's the message? They're like, I can't think of what the message would be there. And in that way too, it's a little bit controversial because it it makes tribal cultures seem, you know, so barbaric. Well, yeah, yeah, look at the the photo in the middle up top. This one? Or here? To the left of that. That one. This one? Is that what the indigenous people on the island are supposed to look like that's like one of the like the that's terrifying and people don't look like that even in indigenous tribes and look it says fear will eat you alive (laughs) (laughs) it's like best case scenario this is a good halloween horror nights house and that's it yeah like i would actually enjoy this as a house that would be fun to go through but like not this year (laughs) yeah i have a lot of respect for eli roth really yeah well i do i mean i do I, i think he's a i don't love his films but i think that he has a real passion for like Grindhouse and you know yeah. this this low budget kind of horror cinema. Cinema, um, I don't. This doesn't look like his finest moment though. <laughs> it's yeah. I can't think. What else has he done? Uh, Hostel. Hostel. Hostel two. Cabin fever. Cabin fever. Yeah, cabin fever. He did a he did a random one eighty. He did the house with a clock in its walls with Jack Black. I have seen that movie. <laughs> that is a weird. That's a weird one eighty. Um, yeah. That, I mean, it's a it's mid. I don't he, know. I think he, he was involved in... Have you seen Grindhouse, the, the film, the Quentin Tarantino, Robert, Robert Rodriguez film? Yeah, because it was like a double feature kind of deal. Yeah, and, and in the middle, they had uh, like 10 or 15 minutes of trailers. He did one of the trailers. I think it was for um, these vampire Nazis or, or zombies, something, something along those lines. It wasn't as good as Edgar Wright's trailer in that film, but uh, he was involved in that. This is why I need someone like I need a I need a Joe Rogan Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, look that up. I just all right. Watch this trailer and tell me if you actually want to watch this movie. <laughs> when you need your bank, Capital One's top rated app is right here. So and the podcast is brought to you by Capital One. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <I> wish. <laughs> Put it here. Put it here. Do you also hate the, the double ads on YouTube? Yes. All right. So hold on. Look at, look at, this is what it's rated R for. Aberrant violence and torture, which I had to look up what aberrant means. Do you know what it means? Just as far as I know, just like repulsive. Just kind of. Yeah. Offensive. Nonsensical. Nonsensical. (laughs) So without any rhyme or reason? Yeah. Okay. Aberrant, violent, like just out of left field kind of shit. Just 
Eh, okay. No reason. Just throw it in there. For the fuck of it. You know? For the fuck of it. Grizzly disturbing images, brief graphic nudity, sexual content language, and some drug use. That's a minor paragraph for, uh, that's like, you, usually you get like a couple lines like, oh, nudity, graphic. Violence, yeah, look at whatever. that. That's a fucking, that's, that's a little four paragraph. lines. Yeah. Would, you, would you describe the movie as gross? Like needlessly gross? Needlessly gross. Yeah. And apparently, Definitely not a movie I would like. Apparently there's an uncut version, and I only saw the cut version. There's like like when it came out like Eli Roth had a director's cut. Yeah. So Do you like, know if there's any in the trailer because I don't I don't know if I want to see that. Oh um, no because it would be red right, like they wouldn't show this. Yeah. In I don't a, think they can do that. It's been approved for a well it says appropriate audiences. Hold on let's just I don't want to let's just see here. Depending on how gross the movie actually yeah. is. Yeah. I find it funny that director's cuts have kind of replaced the NC seventeen version of films now. Because back in the 70s and 80s, we had X-rated and NC-17 films. Uh-huh. That's not really a thing anymore. You do that, and you're not going to get in a theater. You know, people are not going to rent out your movie. Yeah. Except for so like art house suicide. ones. You release, you, you release a uh, director's cut. Yep. I think we're good. I think we're good. And if it is, like, I'll quickly stop it. Just to kind of give you an idea of what it's about. And Blumhouse. <laughs> good old Blum. <laughs> Every day, over 80,000 acres are destroyed. You can't just go invade a country because they're doing something that we think is immoral. I know. I just think I should be doing Did something Al Gore make this? <laughs> but there are people. <laughs> it's time to make a difference. <laughs> Who will do anything to protect it? They're selling it so hard, too. Right? Like, this looks like a movie I want to see. Oh, wait, no. Hold on. Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> I'm reminded of the mummy trailer where there's no sound. <laughs> also, that CG was not very good. No. Fire. From Blumhouse. Why are they doing this? We'll leave viewers stumbling out of the theater or wanting to what walk out of the theater. Yeah, in the middle of the movie, yeah. We have to get out of here. You know what this is? You know what they're doing to us? <laughs> All right, we'll stop it there, right? So I guess that's the point. No good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. I can, I don't know, I, I can kind of see, I, I definitely understand its right to exist and kind of uh, maybe where he's coming from here, just like setting it in a, in a world where, or in a creative space where, you're antagonizing the idea of doing good. Yeah. I guess. And just kind of fetishizing just gore and violence and nihilism. Yeah. I, I also, kind of appreciate that. It kind of comes at the cost of how people view cultures. That's true. Like that's true. that. So. And I'm sure that's one, one thing that, you know, plenty of detractors for this film have, have mentioned. Yeah. But I'd have to look into the discourse on it. Yeah. And no spoilers, not to, but like at that point right there, that scene we're watching right there, just going to say, 
what is happening is they're about to uh, sever a part of a woman's body that is uh, is off limits. That's what's happening right here. Have you ever seen uh, Antichrist? No. Well, if you don't like that, don't watch Antichrist. Okay. That's something similar happens in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's in that's in the Criterion Collection, as a matter of fact. Really? Yeah. Antichrist with Willem Dafoe, surprisingly, and um, Charlotte Gainsbourg, who is um, one of the more known like international actresses, as far as I know. Huh. And what do you feel about because Rosemary's Baby is in the Criterion Collection? What do you feel about Polanski? Are you well versed on him or no? I yeah, I kind of am. I hate Polanski as a as a man. Uh huh. Haven't seen a single one of his movies. I'm sure the movies are good and fine, but I have no incentive to watch them, knowing what the guy has done. Mm-hmm. Like s- I'll eventually watch them because I guess you know they're important movies to watch. I've heard Rosemary's Baby is good, um, but. I'm not 100% sure I could separate what he's done from his movies, especially since he just made a movie recently and he got an award for it in France because he he fled there Mm -hmm. um, from America because he was going to get charged. Um, And they gave him an award for it. And one of the actresses from another movie in France, um, Portrait of Lady on Fire, she walked out and started screaming "Bravo, pedophilia!" And wow. got a so, lot of she got a lot of hate for that too. Wow! And from like, well, people, she got she got a lot of yeah. love for doing that, but then also a lot of hate. But like the insiders were kind of, you know, um, turning their nose up at it, like they thought it was, uh, you know, an affront. And there is kind of that, that, that kind of reminds me of Hollywood a little bit, although that's been dispelled very slightly in the last few years. But there is a tendency to protect these really you know, higher, higher up kind of people like Polanski or like Weinstein. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, it just, it hasn't, it hasn't quite spread everywhere just yet. Yeah. Because he's still, he's still making films. He's still winning awards. There's a great example of, um, are you familiar with the Jeepers Creepers movies? Have you um, heard of those? Yeah, I've, I've heard, heard of them. Yeah. I've heard yeah. of them. Because the, direct, the director of that, Victor Salva, he's a convicted uh, child rapist. He, uh, when he was making a movie back in, I think, like the late, late 80s, early 90s, it was called Clown House. And one of the kids on that set was, uh, he was he was molesting and doing despicable shit with. And I think he got, he got convicted and he served only half of his sentence or something like that. Yeah. And then he went on to, now he still has a career in Hollywood. Those Jeepers Creepers movies, at least the first two, uh, they're executive produced by uh, Coppola. Um, wow. So... A lot of people are backlashing that. Like, I think those got Scream Factory releases recently. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's a fine line because I actually enjoy those movies. So it's like, where do you separate, you know? What is it? The Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon or Six, yeah. six or Seven? Yeah. I feel like a more accurate uh, gauge for Hollywood would be like the Six Degrees of Pedophilia because everyone you know or almost everyone you know that's high up in these places, they're executive producers or directors, they're connected to someone that's, you know, doing these fucked up things. Yeah. And whether they know it or not, a lot of them do. Too many mm-hmm. of them know it. Um, they're continuing to work with these people. And I'm glad to see that changing, but I don't, you know, I'm a little, you know, I'm not too hopeful about it being completely overturned because the system is going to protect itself. 
Yeah. As I'm concerned. There's so many of them too. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing, um, even with Weinstein, um, I remember at the Oscars when Seth MacFarlane made a joke about Weinstein being a horrible person and, yeah. you know, molesting and raping people. Um, he made a joke about it and everyone in the room kind of like awkwardly laughed and like you could tell that everyone knew exactly what he was talking about. And then, of course, a couple of years later, he was finally convicted for it. Oh, so this was before. Way before, like wow. like at least ten years. Jesus, and it, you're putting it, he's putting his career on the line saying that kind of thing, you know. Definitely, yeah. There have been so many tales of people getting the you'll never you'll never work in this town again talk. Oh yeah, for speaking out. Yeah, yeah. There was um I don't watch it, but I I saw an episode of it, the morning show with uh, Steve Carell. I think it's on Apple TV. Yeah. But uh, they were touching on that because I think that's based on, or at least it touches on the whole Matt Lauer Today Show yeah. shit. And uh, the character, like, there's a character in there where Steve Carell, I think he plays some kind of high end news executive or whatever, and he has this thing going on with this with this girl, and and uh, but it ends with with you know him doing kind of forcing himself on her, and then it cuts to the next day or whatever, and she's kind of just in the studio, and she's kind of just you know she's speechless she like she doesn't know like everything is in slow-mo and then she decides to go i guess to the upper part of management or whatever to like the like the top floor to talk to the guy in charge of the entire studio and she walks in and she tells him and then it's so good because it just ends with him going you know that promotion you wanted you have it right now you just got promoted and and she's like that's how that's how this goes he's like yeah that, that that's how this goes and then it just ends with it just ends right there. I'm like, damn, this is actually this might be a good show to watch. But it's like that's I mean, I I see like that's probably the way it goes. You know, you came to this guy with this horrible news. Hey, one of your employees forced himself on me. Oh, do you want to keep that quiet? I'll promote you. You know, that, like that's probably what's going on in a lot of these cases. Just keep it hush hush. Yeah, and it just hit home with like just the way they did it, like like. There's a way to use slow mo, and this this scene and this show, the morning show, used it so beautifully. Just the way she got in the elevator, and they had this really good song playing behind it. And like, damn, this show's actually—I think it got mixed reviews entire like in the entire season, but it seemed pretty good. But uh, yeah, it's sad. It's just it, it's it's really unfortunate. But like you said, it's never going to go away. Before we get off the subject um, and go back to Polanski for a minute, have you seen Chinatown? I think that's the only one I've seen of him. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, when you look at Chinatown, and this is this is kind of a um, kind of factors into the separating art from the artist because this is why I don't think I can enjoy Chinatown if I watch it again. Now that I know what he's done, and kind of putting that into context of what happens in this particular film and what he's trying to say, it completely ruins the message, or it completely ruins you know that part of the film, right? Because I mean, he he is that. That's him. Mm -hmm. That's what he does. Yeah fucked up yeah i guess i guess there's a there, like you, you you write what you know right uh, <laughs> you write a, what you a, know in a morbid fucking way yeah you know going back to the creeper thing i mean that's the character's name the creeper yeah so i mean the the, the the director's a creeper so i mean i guess it makes sense why he named it the creeper it's just weird it is it's very strange that shirt you're wearing he's wearing um uh palmer's wearing a well it's not a shirt it's a uh what are those things called? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a long a, sleeve yeah. shirt. It's a long sleeve shirt. Okay, it's got t-shirt material to it. Okay, it's uh, the witch, mm -hmm. and uh, 
I did see, like, I ended up seeing that movie because someone recommended it to me. And who, like, that's the same director as The Lighthouse? Yes. Robert Eggers. Okay. Clearly you're a fan. Yep. Actually, I've got The Lighthouse <laughs> in the same fashion as this. Um, so I've got both. She's got I think, The Lighthouse as well. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I have a tie-dye Lighthouse short sleeve shirt. I have all the tie-dye shirts. They're from uh, Studio House um, Designs on yeah, Instagram, by the way. Okay. Nice, nice. And uh, the witch. And then the hat is, what's the hat? I'm wearing a, um, it's a Godzilla hat. Okay. From like the 60s, 70s era of Godzilla. It's just got a little, you know, scenes from those films, which I'm a big fan of. Big fan of those. Not yeah. the not the 1998 <laughs> Matthew Broderick well, one. <laughs> I don't think anyone is. <laughs> Even the, the 2014 one with... um. Uh, Cranston, yeah. yeah, Ryan Cranston. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's very. I, I haven't. I haven't <laughs> seen King of the Monsters, but apparently the fights in there are good. They're both just okay. Yeah, but nothing touches on. I mean, you, I wouldn't. I you know, I don't really think Americans should make Godzilla films. <laughs> Have you seen Shin Godzilla from 2016? Nah. Great brilliant. movie. Yeah, brilliant. That's a great modern Godzilla. If there's one thing I'm lacking on is my foreign films. I I, I, I really struggle with foreign films. I gotta say, I mean. It's like uh, Bong Joon Ho said, when you when you close out that kind of that that section of your your media knowledge, it does. Uh, you, you're missing out on a lot. Oh you know yeah, I mean, I know. I believe the quote is something to the effect of, "Once you break over that two inch barrier of titles, you will open up to a whole new world of great cinema." Something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You have to, but it's. I don't know what it is. Like I think it's just an, an acquired taste, almost. Um, in the sense, well, it's more like a skill, I guess, because and, and not to make it sound like it's anything special, because it's not really. But um, <laughs> just over time, watching more and more subtitled media, I think, because um, and the more we become, uh, you know, international, globalized, the more we consume more media, the more these younger people, you know, get used to that. Um, but it is something you need to get used to, I guess. Come to think of it, because I've been watching subtitled stuff for you know probably ten years now, and it's just not really doesn't really phase me anymore. When you really think about it, um, people in foreign countries have been doing it with most English films forever. So why can't we do it? You know. I guess yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, if you're the top dog in international media, which America you know pretty much is, um, the only competitor is you know Japan and maybe England, then you don't really have to consider the other point of view. You've got enough on your plate. You can just consume American media for your whole life, and you've, you know, you're pretty much set. Most people in America do, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, have you have you seen what foreign films have you seen? I guess I'll ask. Oh, um, I know I've seen some. I've seen uh, the most recent one was really trying to think here. Really trying. I know I watched because uh, someone recommended it to me. Blue is the warmest color. I watched that one. I actually really liked that one. It was just a little mm. too long. Very, uh, very kind of slice of life. And I think slice of life movies can't be three hours long kind of deal. Like maybe boyhood kind of deal. But yeah. that's because the, like, there's a gimmick in boyhood. You, yeah. get, you, you get to see people age on screen. Well, I think genuinely. that movie I've seen the length is a little more than a slice. <laughs> it's a it's the whole pie. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 12 years of life. Very yeah. cool. I love that movie. Uh, but like, I really can't think of a whole lot of foreign language. Have you seen Parasite? No, actually, I haven't. Well, 
And that one, I think, is... I think I was bummed out that with, with that one because I was so passionate about Joker. Yeah. <laughs> and it took I won't it, say my opinions there. And it took, it took Joker. I was like, fuck you, Parasite. <laughs> I think once you watch Parasite, you might understand why it won. Maybe. It's a fantastic movie. I don't. I don't dislike Joker. Joker. I don't dislike Joker. <laughs> Whatever. I, why do you like? Why? Why do you not like Joker? I think it. There's a line between, um, stealing from other people's content and paying homage to other people's content. And I think Todd Phillips stole Scorsese's content. I like it more than she does, but I gotta say it's a little <laughs> bit. It's a little bit creatively bankrupt. Because it, it kind of borrows from older ideas and kind of makes this little weird uh, compilation between these older kind of art house film ideas and the superhero of the DC universe. And it almost works in that way. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of a, a weird testament to the kind of multicultural, you know, globalized um, media monolith we've got going on right now that Todd Phillips can create something like that. And Todd Phillips, he was a, what, like a comedy director at the time. Yeah. He's done the mostly, hangover. Yeah, mostly. So you think it doesn't have its own identity. You think it yeah. suffers a serious identity crisis. Yeah. Because not only is it taking from the DC universe, but it's taking from majorly two Scorsese movies, which, so here's my counter to it. And it's, this is all, this is all just fun and games. Yeah. But my counter to it is, okay, so what are those two movies that they steal from? Taxi Driver and King Comedy. Who's in both of those? Robert De Niro. Who's in Joker. So they're aware sure. of it. They're, like, they are very much aware what they're doing. So it's not like... But I think Joker, the way that it's presented is taking itself super seriously, which is why you could say that they're aware of it, but when you say they're aware of it, I almost think when you say that, it would be in a comedy aspect, but it's not. Uh-huh. And De Niro, I mean, <laughs> love the guy, right? But he needs he needs a paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> he needs he needs a new house every now and again, every few months. <laughs> so I mean, I you've seen some of the things he's in. He's in that one movie with fucking Zac Efron. Oh, um, yeah, Dirty Grandpa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> Isn't he also in he's, the Fockers? He's or in something? everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the dad. Yeah. He kind of um. Yeah. He gave up any pretense of being after the '90s. He just kind of said, "All right, well, I'll be a, I'll, I'll retire a little bit." See, I think with the Dirty Grandpa, yeah, I, I was like, "What are you doing, De Niro? Like, this is clearly a paycheck movie, hundred percent, yeah. like a paycheck movie." And jo- I, I don't know that Joker is that. No, no, no. I don't think it is. Yeah. I think he actually was. No, like, I think he actually. I like this probably, role. Yeah, I like but, it. But maybe you couldn't see it at the time because you, you're never going to understand something until it's all put together, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think he would have known necessarily, and he probably hasn't even expressed an opinion on this, how much that's kind of a pastiche of his previous work, you know? Unless he wanted to do it because of that. Maybe he wanted to, I guess, sort of relive that well, there, role. Yeah, there's a I know he, there. I know he yeah. enjoyed those movies, but I, I will say, I think if those two Scorsese movies didn't exist, it would be a great movie. Huh. But they exist. And I, I, and I will say he gave us a great moment in that film. Just yes. getting, spoiler spoiler for Joker here, fucking getting shot in the head was just, you know, an outstanding move on his part. Yeah, and the way they did it, too, because there's, like, a little sped-upness to it. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've, like, watched it back. Yeah, the pace really quickens. It's it's not, uh, like, when he shoots them, it's not a genuine kind of, like, there is, you can see a slight post-production just kind of speed up. And I think, uh, like, when that like when that moment happened, I was like, 
it, it just it just shocked me because I I think everyone thought in that moment going into it, uh, Arthur was going to shoot himself. I think that was the whole idea of like I'm going to kill myself on live television, and then halfway through talking to Murray, it flips, and and then he and that's when he's like, "You're awful, Murray," and it's just. I, 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 like, I, I, I get that there's a lot of influence to this film. And again, I go back to, they're not like they're, they are so open to talking about it. There's a like, great behind the scenes that they've released online because I guess of everything that's been going on, they've been just releasing behind the scenes on the, the Warner brothers YouTube channel. And they released one for Joker that I hadn't seen before. And they're just like, they're so open about, yeah, we're, we're taken from this. We're taken from that. And, and they even they, they they even touch on the fact that this might not even be Joker. Like this might not be this might not be canon Joker. This could just be and that's one of the big theories going around with the movie is is this this for all we know, this is just made up. Everything in this movie is just yeah. at the end of the movie when he's talking to the psychiatrist lady. Hell, even in the in, in the movie itself, you kinda question what's real and what's not within this movie's created universe. Yeah. Because in that third act Things just go so wild that you're thinking, well, is he, you know, is this really happening? Is he yeah, like, there's of, the girlfriend. Yeah. And we, we, oh, it's, yeah. it's revealed that she's uh, not real. Yeah. He's fantasizing about that. Well, if he can do that, you know, can he not create this anarchistic movement yeah. and just kill Murray? I don't know. I know it's a very, it, I guess in some ways it's a very simple movie. It's a very kind of straightforward, just character study. And there's not a whole lot that's, I guess, special about the movie because it is so influenced. But just like on like on a rewatch, talking about that girlfriend part, I don't know if you there's a scene where he's in the diner with her and the shot is from outside. So you're looking into the diner. He's sitting, she's sitting. Clearly she's not there. So you now have to imagine he's sitting by himself. And and even further into the diner is the guy, I guess, that's flipping the burgers and shit. And he's looking at Arthur very like when you watch that for the first time, right over your head. Yeah. You don't pick up on that. You don't like it just looks like the guy in the background doing whatever. And then on rewatch, you kind of add up. OK, so this guy's clearly judging Arthur because he's probably talking to himself. And it's just like those little moments that you pick up on. And there's so many there's it's littered all throughout that movie. And so I, that's why I think it has such a rewatchability to it, even though it's so dark. And yeah. I, I don't know. I'm very biased on that movie. The funny thing <laughs> is that when the trailer dropped, everyone on Twitter already like kind of made up their mind that they didn't like it, that they hated it. Cause they were like, Oh, this looks like taxi driver, but with Joker. And I had the exact same thought. It looks like taxi driver, but with Joker. And I'm excited for this. Yeah. I really wanted to love this movie. <laughs> and when I watched it in the theater at first, when the movie ended, I thought that I liked it, you know, a good amount, but then it kind of just sat with me. And then after that, I, I had already watched taxi driver way before that. But then after that, like a couple weeks, maybe a month after, I watched King of Comedy and I thought back to Joker and I was like, wow, that they took a lot from this movie. Like it almost it almost feels like he took those two movies, put them together and put a Joker skin on it, like a DLC or something in a game. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt like. And if anything, it speaks to the fact, I mean, think, okay, so we're in this came out in 2019. Add 50 years on top of cinema. What are we doing in 50 years? How much recycling are we doing? Right? Probably a lot. We're, we're going to add layers and layers. <laughs> if and we layers think it's layers. bad now, go the Lighthouse f- 2. <laughs> go, go forward to 2070. So 50 years from now, 2070. 
what's cinema going to look like? I mean, is there like is there going to be anything considered quote unquote original? Because right now nothing's original. Do you, like do you like do you guys believe that or no? I mean, nothing is original. Things can be inspired. There's no original idea. Um, there's no original idea. Feel free to counter. There's no original idea, maybe, but I think an original whole, an original piece of work can be an amalgamation created. kind of thing. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no single piece of work or piece of art is a sing, is like a, a monolithic idea. Uh huh. It's a collection of, you know, these smaller ideas that maybe have been, you know, built up through the human, you know, all of human history, really. And then we combine that into something that makes us or speaks to us and, and makes us feel. Like we're human, gets on those human emotions, the human condition, and um, that's not necessarily. It's not necessarily going to be the sum of its parts. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think Tarantino's films are a really good example for that because yeah. they're so inspired by everything else that he's seen throughout his lifetime, but they're so original at the same time where you wouldn't associate. Yeah. You wouldn't really associate. Um, Say like Yakuza films or like westerns. I mean, you see see the westerns in there, but but you wouldn't associate certain films with, um, you know, Kill Bill or Pulp Fiction. They just feel like they're so original on their own that you don't even think of those. You just think of his movie. Yeah, like it's so much a pastiche of other things that if you write them down on a piece of paper and kind of describe it along those lines, then of course it's going to seem unoriginal because you're just looking at what it's been inspired by. But then you bring in his ideas. And what he's got going, and what and the way he mixes that in with something, and well, that creates something that's original, made of things that are unoriginal. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah, I don't know. It's we'll see. We'll see if we're all alive by twenty seventy. Uh, if we're all, oh. I mean, <laughs> we're taking it year by year right now. Yeah, got to make it to twenty twenty one. Damn, twenty seventy. Got to make it through twenty twenty first. Fifty years. I'll be seventy seven. Wow. That's scary. I'll be. 68. 68, yeah. It'll be 67, 67. 68. Yeah. Damn. No, wouldn't. 50 years? Wouldn't you be 69? No. I would. Well, yeah, I would be come, nice. au- come August of that year. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Very nice. Damn. I don't know. Well, look, guys, I'm hungry. I want to go right. get something to eat. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I thought it was going to be uh, nothing but cinema, but I think we kind of drifted into other things and then we came back to cinema and then we drifted and then we came back to cinema which totally fine um that's our mutual connection there's an art to a podcast that i you don't realize until you kind of get into it and then you kind of start talking maybe and then you you realize the possibilities but you don't quite get there yeah and then you could (laughs) but if you if you you did you would talk for you know endless hours yeah yeah i've actually never gotten on camera before and i've never recorded my voice before Uh uh-huh because um i've always just been afraid to so this is my first time, and I actually, it feels comfortable. You did remarkably well. I was kind of, I was kind of worried because I was like, I hope there's not a whole lot of just me asking questions, and it yeah. turned into a genuine conversation. Well, I hope you yeah, must have been like, I hope these kids aren't really awkward, and they just don't show that. <laughs> well, first I didn't text. say no, no, no. I didn't say kids. <laughs> All right, kid. Sometimes I wish it was filmed because then like I would have just cut to yeah. the deadpan face Aaron gave. I gotta get to I gotta get there. Anyways, um I'll have uh, I'll have social medias down in the down in the down in the show notes awesome. so people can go follow. But um 
yeah, I hope uh, I hope you like Eyes Wide Shut, and we'll have to do a round two. I think I'll probably like it. Talking about it, and uh, yeah, so we're gonna end it there. Any yeah. last words? Uh, Palmer, this was, this was great. Thank you for having us. Um, Criterion joke pick. Oh, that's right. Good. <laughs> I would have I would have really regretted that not getting you to name one. Green Inferno. Ah, oh, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> And you already did yours. Did I do a joke? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I even, well, I know I did her. That was my serious one. Yeah. My joke one, The Room. Why the, not? Why the hell not? I saw you had a Tommy Wiseau cake one time. By the way, she's the, cool. the person that made that said that it was the hardest cake she has ever made. Shout out oh, to really? Carol. So Shout out you, to yeah. Carol. Great. I want you to know cake that. Cake artist. Yeah, I was like, hey, look, I'm having a viewing party of The Room and the Disaster Artist. Uh, do you know what that is? She's like, no. Sure, <laughs> pick, just show her a picture and say, hey, can you make this guy onto a cake? Yeah, no, I, I, I forget what photo of Tommy Wiseau I showed her. And I was like, I need this guy's face on a cake. <laughs> and she went above and beyond because I thought it was going to be just like a normal cake with like a photo printed onto it. Oh, wow. No, 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 no. It no, was yeah. the cake was like half of it was his hair. And then the rest of it was majestic hair. Yeah. Like I, I got to show you the photo. Like I've seen, you, the photo. You've seen the photo. Mostly fondant. You've yeah. seen the photo. I've seen it. Yeah. It, 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 it blew me away. Great and, and it was a little off. Like it wasn't like, I don't know if you could show that to even like Tommy Wiseau fans and be like, who is this? It's well, charming. But it was charming <laughs> because yeah. I think in being off, it is more accurate to Tommy Wiseau's character. That's yes. what I'm saying. That's it's so, so fitting for uh, the room viewing. <laughs> yeah, who he is. Yeah. <laughs> the only bad part was it was so hard to cut into because of it was like an ice Fondant. cream cake, and I right. guess that yeah, too. That too. So yeah, we had to like. I think we we ended up watching the room while it was thawing, and then we got to it by the disaster artist. And I would have much preferred to eat it during the room, for everyone's sake. That came over. Do you remember Mikey? Um, Ponarelli. Yes, I okay. think so. He was there. Phil was there. I forget when you came to where, you know, where we're talking without naming it. I wasn't like, I wasn't there, was I? I had, I, no. I had already gone. I think you were gone like a year, I think. Yeah. And obviously I never worked with you. Yeah. Been there a year and a half now. Yeah. Almost. Well, anyways, we could go down another rabbit hole. So, okay. Yeah. So last words, you already got those out. Yep. Last words, Aaron. Um, I could be talking to future Hollywood filmmakers right now. You could. Yeah. <laughs> This would be my, one of my first uh, recorded interactions. One of our first recorded interactions. Dude, you could look back on this and just be like, what idiots. <laughs> <laughs> or you could, yeah. We let these people create. Yeah. Yeah. Anything? Um, I don't know. Fallen, fo uh, follow. There you go. Um, Aaron Cinema Aaron on Cinema. Instagram, Twitter. Um, is that my letterbox? I think my letterbox is Shining Torrance. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, I that's like the one. It. I like it. Yeah, we all have letterboxed. That's a that's a it's great service. It's a niche social media. I might buy <laughs> Pro soon, but it's Ooh. it's so expensive. They got Just a podcast for, too. For Did rating, you know that? yeah, I, yeah, the Letterbox show. Yeah. yeah, I haven't listened to any of them though. Weird voice. There's a weird. I think a uh, main host. Her 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 voice is kind of weird to me. Otherwise, I enjoy it. Yeah, she, she kind of sounds robotic. I was watching a YouTube video, not to go down a rabbit hole, but I was watching a YouTube video the other day, and this person was so scripted, it pissed me off. They're like, hi, welcome back. If you like this, click subscribe. It's almost corporate, and it's there's like, so many of those now. It's just like, just, just be like, talk. Why are you doing this? Just be natural. Yeah. It's, it's so much more. It's, and, then, and then I watched her 
she was on Daisuke's channel and she did an interview with him and she was so much, and I was like, why can't you do that in every video you ever make? Because people are drawn to that. People are drawn to personality more. They want to hear <laughs> you, you know what I mean? They want to hear from the source. Yeah. I and think it, some people are afraid of their natural personality. So that, they feel like they have to. Or, a, or they think that, um, I guess their natural personality won't get views yeah. or mm. they'll, say, a, they'll say the wrong thing and they don't know what to say on camera so that they have to read it. They got to put on a veil of professionalism. Yeah. I guess. But man, it just came off as really, really scripted. Unlike uh, this podcast, which I think uh, <laughs> is rife with personality on all three sides. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is very fun. No. Uh, for everyone listening, everything you just heard was typed ahead of time. And we just read it off a teleprompter. <laughs> and it was a fantastic table and no, read, And guys. no one would have known. No one would have known. It's an excellent table read. Yeah. I think we got the part. And on that note, goodbye.